Welcome back to another episode of the Brand the Interpreter podcast. I am so glad you're here with me today. This is Mireya, your host, and today we'll be having yet another great conversation with another extraordinary language professional, and we'll be talking about these things that perhaps we don't consider when we're about to make a career decision or a career pivot or just trying to figure out what we're going to do next. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hey, and speaking of enjoying, if you think that there's another interpreter or translator that would benefit or appreciate the topic of today's conversation, please share this episode with them. Simply hit the three dots at the bottom of your phone screen and share it with someone that you think might benefit from this conversation. Also, if you've not already, it would mean a lot if you would either rate or review the podcast or just engage with me on social media. Take a screenshot of this episode and tag me. It's just another great way of supporting this podcast. All right, so let's get started with today's guest. Abi Koulibaly is the founder and CEO of Elite Interpretation. She is a core certified healthcare interpreter through the Certification Commission for Healthcare Interpreters and a certified medical interpreter with the National Board of Certified Medical Interpreters. She studied simultaneous, consecutive, and escort interpretation at the Howard University Ralph J. Bunch Center for International Affairs. Abby holds a Master of Business Administration and a Bachelor of Sciences in Chemical Engineering from Howard University. She's lived in six countries throughout her lifetime and has worked in research for NASA and corporate management at Verizon Telecommunications. Here's a fun fact. She speaks seven languages, fluency in French, English, Bambara, German, intermediate Spanish, basic Arabic, and Mandarin. That's all in addition to being a beautiful individual, both inside and out. So, without further ado, here's Abi Kulibali. Abi, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited that you're here and that we will be sharing your story with our audience. Thank you so much for having me, Mireya. It's really an honor to be here, so I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Let's get started with the very first question that I like to ask all our guests on the show, which has to do with taking us all the way back. Well, maybe for you, it's not all the way back, but uh, just taking us back to your childhood and asking you, what did you aspire to be when you grew up? So I love that question. I don't get to talk about that uh, very often, but I, I remember what I wanted to was the first thing if I'm if I'm correct was a teacher or a ballet dancer I absolutely loved learning and I was fascinated by my teachers and I wanted to be a teacher but I loved the art so I also wanted to be a ballet dancer and I think that was like very early on um then my early, like my early teens and so forth, I really wanted to be a, a translator actually, or an interpreter. I didn't really know what an interpreter was, but I knew that I wanted to do something with languages. 
And deep down, I also still was very artistic and I wanted to do something with like music or theater. So a lot of different things, but definitely I always migrated towards languages and arts. Like that was really my, most of my, my passion and my soul. Yeah. That's so interesting. And later on, uh, we'll get to the why behind your interest Mm -hmm. in languages. But I find it so fascinating, that combination of a teacher and a ballet dancer. (laughs) But (laughs) let's talk a little bit about um, where you grew up. Could you take us back a little and uh, tell us any fond memory that you have of your childhood? Oh, yeah. So I absolutely loved my childhood, uh, by the way, which I'm very fortunate to be able to say. I So I'm originally from Mali. And I was born in Mali, but I never grew up in Mali. Um, I would go back to Mali to visit on vacation every other year. But I left Mali when I was about eight months old. So I took my first plane very, very early on. I spent my early years in Zambia. And then I moved to Ethiopia, which I spent most of my childhood Then I moved to France for a year. And after that, I moved to Austria for five years. And then I went to university in the US. So it's a very long road. And um, I traveled the world growing up, which was very exciting. And uh, that's because my dad's work was a and my dad worked as a translator for the UN. So that's how we got to travel a lot. Really? And, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it might, it, it might sound very glamorous, but we were nine in my family. So it really was not as glamorous <laughs> as in myself. <laughs> so uh, we never really grew up all in the same household, so to speak, because of the age difference. So I was number eight in the family. So I grew up with my oldest brother right before me and like my younger brother, who's the last of the family. Oh, wow. So yeah, I remember loving, absolutely loving school. School was one of my favorite things. And my favorite subjects were languages. Maybe that's not a surprise at this point, but (laughs) I loved studying. I was very studious. I was extremely shy, though, very, very shy kid. But I, you know, when you would look at my, my, my paper and like my exams grades, like everything was okay. It wasn't that I wasn't talking because there was something off with me. I was just extremely shy. But I really developed myself within my my study, so to speak. And I remember when I went to France, I went to a bilingual school. But most of my life, I went to French schools, actually. So in Mali, we have two languages. Mm-hmm. The native tongue in Mali is Bamara, which is a form of Malenke, which is spoken mostly in West Africa. And then we speak French. So that's why I went to French school most of my life, um, wherever I lived. And I remember when I went to that bilingual school in France for just a year, I was the top student in French, in France. And I was very surprised, but I was very studious and very serious about my languages. And then one of the stories that I remember about my language stories is that when I moved to Austria, I moved to this country. I did not speak a word of German. And I remember going to school and not understanding what anybody was saying and turning around and I didn't understand anything. And I had decided that I was going to learn that language really fast because I wanted to understand what was going on around me. So Mm. 
I learned pretty fast. And my, I remember my German teacher after the end of the first year came to me and she said, well, you're going to have to skip the second year because you're going to be very bored. So you're going to go to like the third year. Wow. Yeah. How old and you then? I was maybe 12. I think I was 12 at the time. Yes. And I remember ending up in my older brother's class with his friend. and I was petrified. But uh, yeah, that was really a funny story. And, um, and another funny story that also happened in Austria is that, you know, I mentioned that I was very studious. And the way that they study languages there is a little different. They don't study English and Spanish until very late, late in the school year mm-hmm. and in the school years. So I, I wanted to learn Spanish so badly, but it wasn't available. So I was just kind of roaming around for a couple hours in the school year for like the first couple of months until I found out that there was a, a, an, an Arabic class. And I was super excited, even though I'd never planned on learning Arabic, I did not want to be sitting around and not learning anything when I could be learning another language. So I decided I was going to take that class, but I was two to three months late and I had to take a kid's class to learn the alphabet because everybody knew the alphabet in in my, my actual class. So that was really funny. I got out of that class really as fast as I could to hang out with the people of my, my age. And um, yeah, so languages have really been a very powerful thing in my life and something that always excited me that has kept me going. And I just, I just have a passion for them. That is incredible, Avi. I mean, at such a young age to, you know, already have that, that persistence in saying, you know, and, and just taking it upon yourself to say, right, like, I want to learn this other language or uh, feeling adamant about I have to learn this so that I don't feel so lost. I, I just, now I just have all these questions. Oh, okay. So Thank question you. number one, what uh-huh. was the, what was the combination, um, the language combinations for your dad uh, in the UN? So my dad actually was doing French and English, really. Um, so that was that's what he was translating. Um, so my, my dad was uh, very strict. <laughs> Um, and at the time he was very strict and he's a very disciplined person. Mm -hmm. So I think I got a lot of, um, qualities from him and definitely my, I got a natural predisposition for languages from him because he basically came from the village in, in Mali and he found a way to work at the UN. I mean, it's a crazy story that I Mm -hmm. learned actually only in my twenties. I had no idea because he doesn't talk about yeah, he doesn't talk about that and and everything. Wow. So, so I think I really got it from from there. To from to be dad. honest, yeah. So French and English, and what was the home language that you, you spoke with the family? Oh yeah, that's so interesting, right? Uh, when so growing up, I always spoke French and English, and I didn't really speak Bambara per se but I understood it perfectly. The thing is, I always answered in French. But again, it was that thing where I really wanted to understand what my parents were saying mm-hmm. because they would talk to each other in Bambara so that like my, <laughs> my two brothers and I would not understand. But I was like, no, I'm going to understand this. So, so I understood it. I didn't really speak it at that time. So I don't, I'm not sure if I could say that I spoke Bambara at that time. 
but um, in Ethiopia they speak Amharic, and I would under I understood that as well, but I would respond in English. So it's kind of a bit of a mixture. So I could say that I spoke about like four languages. That is so amazing, and and I mean I find it fascinating too because I think that with such a big family as well, you know, like who's speaking what, and you know maybe. <laughs> Maybe one is speaking, you know, uh, one language while a couple of others are like speaking a different language. I don't know. I think I I find that that's so fascinating in your upbringing. Avi, of all those countries where you lived, which one was your favorite? That's a very difficult question. I don't know why people keep asking. (laughs) It's very hard. Um, I mean, they all have something different. I don't remember Zambia. I just don't. I absolutely loved growing up in Ethiopia because Ethiopia is the only country in the world that was not colonized. Mm. And when you actually get the chance to grow up there, especially as um, a black person, you really develop a sense of identity. I think it's a country that really knows um, its history and who they are. Mm. And you you grow up with a self, well, like self-confidence, I, I think. And it's a beautiful thing. They have a real yeah. strong sense of identity. So I, I loved growing up in Ethiopia and the weather there is fantastic, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah. And I remember, I you know, my my friends, I had a great time with, with my friends. I loved my childhood there. And then when I went to Austria, which, you know, I spent five years there, which is a long time. I also loved Austria. I, I still have friends that I'm in touch with um, until this day and we communicate. Um, I love the experience. I think just in general, having been and moved so many times in my life, I was, it really taught me to adapt. So anywhere I went, I, I always, I always knew that there was something to be learned and that I needed to just kind of take it in, um, be happy and grateful for where I was and to just adapt and embrace the culture is something that I started doing automatically or like more naturally. So I love it. Yeah. I think it's 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 a beautiful story and just, you know, particularly that that you shared right now about Ethiopia. I think that's it, it it's beautiful to know that there's still places like that or at least, you know, when when your experience um that you still felt and were a part of that, you know, just rich culture, um it was still pure, right? Mm, so that yeah. that's that's amazing. I want to get into a little bit Abby with about your just your your transition into the language field because we know that at a very young age, you know, you were exposed to languages at a very young age, you were interested in languages. Um, But if we fast forward to present moment, you now have a bachelor's of science in chemical engineering. You have worked in research for NASA, and then corporate management at Verizon Telecommunications, and you have all these accomplishments. In addition to that, you know, or you have under your belt, seven languages. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't speak them all fluently, but getting there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) still, nonetheless, it's, you know, it's incredible how, how much you've done. And, and I'm so curious as to where the crossroad happened. So you, Mm -hmm. you have this background, but then at some point, something brought you back to, you know, the language profession. Do you recall what that was? Oh, yeah. So a lot of things happened, uh, you know, in between the 
I think my beautiful childhood and, you know, where I am today. And um, basically, I think things started to change when I, I moved to the U.S. as an immigrant. I started university and I still had the intention of becoming a um, interpreter or a translator like I always wanted. You know, I didn't really have questions about that. It was more a matter of how to make that happen because um, I was 18. I moved and I had no idea of how things worked. Mm-hmm. So I went to Howard University and Funny enough, Howard is one of the only schools in the U.S. that offers um, like a, a program in interpretation studies. So uh, mm. it's just a semester course. Yes. So I was very excited when I found out about about it and I took the class. But at the time, my parents, uh, my parents entrusted my care to um you know, certain family members. Mm-hmm. And most of my siblings were studying, you know, um, medicine or law. So it was a very stern and narrow path of everybody kind of following and staying in line. And, you know, the African family where either you're a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or otherwise, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So unfortunately, at that time, it really wasn't in the cards for me to pursue that. I took the semester and it was one of the best experiences that I that I had. Um, I was I was uh, my combinations were French, English and German. And at the end of the class, I was I was invited to a private course that they don't tell you about until the end. And they pick, you know, maybe one or two students or three students to, to study uh, closely with the, the, the professors. And I was so excited. I felt like, yes, I have worked so hard my life. And uh, this is the culmination of everything that I've dreamt of. And I was super excited. But mm-hmm. again, it was not something that I got approval to do at the time. And I was kind of resigned to... Uh, go ahead and do something more quote unquote serious. So I studied chemical engineering um, and it was not in my heart. And because I was an immigrant at the time I was working, um, I mean, I was an international student. So when you get a job, you have to work within your field of study. And I knew that I was not going to become an engineer uh, Mm -hmm. like that. So it kind of pushed me into going for a master's in business administration um, because I thought that I would be able to maybe re- reinvent myself better within that space. Mm. But yet again, still, it wasn't in my heart because, you know, like I explained, languages it's and arts are like all that I ever wanted to do. And I was trying to train myself to be somebody that I was not. And that really does not work. And so I worked for Verizon. Uh, I did the corporate thing. And I remember actually every now and then I would go online and I would type for like, I would look for like translator jobs or interpreter (laughs) jobs, but I knew that I couldn't do it because I didn't have the status and I had to work within business. But something really crazy happened. I actually had a a, um, medical situation, like a life-threatening emergency situation happened to me. Mm -hmm. And a couple months after that, I, I actually ended up quitting my job, but it was almost like a blessing in disguise because at that moment, um, 
I realized that there was something within me and I wasn't living my life. I was living somebody else's life and that I had to take back control. And that's when I I quit. I went to acting school for a year, uh, which cured my shyness. <laughs> and um, I became a French tutor. You know, I, I auditioned. I did contract work. I freelance. And it's in doing all of that that I fell back into interpretation and also by then my my immigration status at change so then I had the possibility to be a freelancer and take any job that I wanted and that's when really things started turning turning around and um I remember applying for this first interpretation job and I was really nervous. I really wanted to get it. It was with an agency and I got in and I did my first assignment. And I remember my first assignment. I have this vivid memory of looking at the window, but still talking at the same time because I was interpreting uh, near uh, a mother and I was, it was a simultaneous and I was a bit nervous at the beginning, but when I started and I found my feet, it felt like I, I didn't feel like I was working. I just feel like I was helping someone. And I felt like I found myself again and everything kind of clicked again. And I, I was just so happy. My gosh, I think that that story is just, it, it's the story of so many, Abby. Mm-hmm. And I want to go back to the moment in your life when your heart was, I mean, that it, it wanted to be elsewhere, right? Yeah. You, you did all the right things, all the right steps that you would think would take anyone into, you know, the moment of, you know, I, I feel accomplished. I'm successful. I have, I did all the right things. So I positioned myself where mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be so that I can yeah. feel accomplished. And yet your heart was singing a different tune. And I really like the story. Actually, I really love this story because I'm the type that, um, and many people think this is very woo-woo, but (laughs) I'm the type to believe that, you know, we, we get those nudges throughout our life, you know, Mm -hmm. like you, you knew from a young age, which a lot of us don't have, but you knew from a young age, what you wanted, your heart knew what it wanted. And we get these nudges along the way in life that are trying to remind us of, hey, you know, this is the road you should take. (laughs) Yeah. Ignore them. And when we ignore Mm -hmm. them for so long, life almost forces us into that path that we're supposed to be on. Such as your in your case where, uh, sadly, you you went through this health crisis or this health issue, and you know it it led you to quitting your job. But like you said, it was like a blessing in disguise because would you have done it on your own had that moment not happened? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it would have taken you longer. But mm. as far as I'm concerned, the universe said, "Now it's time." <laughs> <laughs> It's time. Yes. So that's yes. such a great story. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us because it's so beautiful. And I think that for many people out there that, you know, have this, just this feeling of what direction they want to take in life and ignore it because they think, oh, that's a crazy notion or, oh, that would never work or I would never be able to. And in your case, whether it happened fast or it happened slowly, Ultimately, things started unfolding the moment you decided that this was the direction that you wanted to follow, which was your heart's true desire. I think that's it's so magical. I love that story. Yeah, and I I love Mireya that you mentioned that because um, I I also believe in the universe, and I think that 
you know, I got such a clear sound and such a clear message that I, I just couldn't ignore it anymore. I, it, there was just no other way. So I don't think it's woo at all. I think it makes perfect sense. And I love that you think that way as well. Oh, absolutely. I, I could not, I, I could not think of that more. I mean, I got goosebumps hearing your story because I thought, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what, I, <laughs> what I, I keep telling people like, no, don't do it. If you don't do it, it's, it's going to happen for you. Like the universe mm-hmm. is going to slap you in the face a couple of times and say, Hey, yeah, wake up. Wake Let's up. get back into the story now, Abby. You became an interpreter, at, you know, uh, eventually, finally, you're full blown into the profession and you start working with an agency. Did you did you remain there for a few years as a freelancer for a while? Yes. Yeah, so I actually uh, worked with many agencies. I worked with the top agencies in New York for, uh, yeah, for a while. And the great thing about that is that I got to work in various fields of interpretation, you know, uh, social services, I did adoption, I did ISLM cases, I did a lot of different, um, I went in different expertise. So I'm really actually grateful for that. But that's mainly, yeah, that's mainly what I did. I did on site, mostly exclusively at the beginning. And towards the end, I started doing mostly like remote medical uh, assignments. You now are CEO and founder of Elite Interpretation, which is your own language company, correct? Yes. Okay. So a lot of times when we find ourselves at a crossroads of, you know, taking our careers a little bit further, it sometimes has to do with something that we experience that we feel we could find a solution to. Mm. Did you encounter a problem that you wanted to create the solution to? Absolutely. And I think for me, it was different layers. Um, You know, one of the first things is when I worked the first time professionally, I was completely in love. Mm -hmm. And two, I wanted more, I wanted more work. And I wanted to be more in control of, of that. I wanted to be more in control of my destiny in that sense. And, you know, I was freelancing. So I would take what would come my way. You know, I would go anywhere they would send me. But mm-hmm. still, sometimes I just wanted to spend the whole day interpreting, perhaps, with you know, a couple of breaks. And that wasn't necessarily the way that it happened. So I found myself wanting to change a lot of what was, was happening to me. And I wanted to make things happen more for me. So I started to get that idea of creating my own company. So it started brewing in me. And then, you know, I had interpreter colleagues and I would have conversations with them. And I would hear some of them say, you know, a few of them say, you know, I wish I had my own company. I wish I made my own hours. I wish I worked, you know, myself. And, you know, on top of the fact that I wanted to more, more control of my career, I, in a way, I also wanted to help them as well, right? On top of the fact that I was in love with interpreting and helping people and providing that support and kind of being the conduit in, in those discussions where uh, it could be very difficult. So it was all of that happening mm-hmm. and, and more because um, I launched my company during the pandemic. Right. So, yeah, the way that it happened, because I I thought about it, I knew I wanted to do it, but it was something that I had planned for, you know, a couple months later, you know, because I I was doing different things at the, at the, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was actually 
set to go to China to teach theater in English in a school oh, for, wow. yeah, for three to five months. So I had this contract and I was about to go. And two weeks before it were to happen, you know, everything was canceled because it was kind of shut down and mayhem everywhere. And that was very crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but then in a way I, I said, well, my next step would have been to research and start my, my company and, uh, you know, get more certification and all of that. And I said, well, I guess this is the time. It's not the time that I thought it would be, but this is actually the perfect time, at least for me, was to, to start my company. And then another layer presented itself, which was people needed the help. People still needed to have interpretation services right. and even more so remotely. So it's funny because my idea of my my business at the beginning was, you know, forming a core team of interpreters who would go and serve the New York area on site, you know, medical, social services, and any other areas that we could expand in. Mm -hmm. And it shifted all of that, you know, it was like, oh, it has to be remote, it has to be accessible. And I really had to adapt, but I try to really stay grounded in like my life story and the fact that a lot of my life was like adapting to different situations. So, wow. Um, yeah. So great. I love that. I love that. Again, I was going to say, and let me guess, the universe had a different plan with it, <laughs> with everything that was going on. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so great. What would you say has been, Abby, your biggest career challenge? It's a very interesting question because there's just so many different parts to it. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, can I tell you a story of an assignment that I had, like a situation that I had that really stuck with me? Absolutely. Stories is what we tell here. Do. <laughs> right. So, I mean, this is this is actually one of the stories that really sticks out for me and that really helped me shape my my company, especially like going remote when I didn't necessarily have the intention to do that. I remember an assignment where I, um, it was a bomber assignment and it was remote and it was medical and it took an hour and a half. And usually remote assignments are not that long. They're mm -hmm. like usually tops an hour, but it was, you know, a situation where, you know, a woman was in a life-threatening uh, uh, medical situation and she needed to stay at the hospital, but she didn't understand it. And as the interpreter, I really had to unpack the situation and really look at the language barrier, the, the level of acculturation, the level of education, the level of comfort of or discomfort, also because I was not in the room. And with cultures like, you know, Malian culture, West African culture, like even Muslim cultures, sometimes there's a lot that cannot be interpreted, so to speak, when you don't see the person because there could be a lot of non-verbal cues mm. and you know the doctor's goal was to have this woman stay and I didn't even know if she had her clothes on if she was about to leave or not but if she had left it would have been a disastrous um, outcome for mm. her and her child so I, I really had to dig deep and like understand what was really happening and understand what was going on because um, it, this was a life-threatening situation. However, the, the patient did not understand that. She did not understand that. So it really took a while 
And at one point I even asked myself, you know, am I doing my job right here? Mm. So that was really a very defining moment because at the same time, I thought to myself that if, if there hadn't been somebody they could have reached last minute to make her stay, like what would have happened? And it's just so important to have those services, especially for me, because I have been in life-threatening situations myself medically more than once. So on top of all of that, and for me, I speak English just fine, right? But there's also a level of stress that mm-hmm. adds on to everything. And sometimes the stress that you're under and your flight and fight is so high mm-hmm. that even if you speak the language, you might not really be understanding what's happening to you, what's going on. It's happened to me. So I can only empathize with, you know, those people in those situations. So that was not to say that that was like maybe the most challenging um, in terms of like, you know, my skill set as an interpreter, but it was just a really a great moment for me because um, it helped me shape what I saw and what I wanted for my company and something that I wanted to see in the world, like a change that I want people to be able to have those, those care. And I want people to live great lives and be happy and not to be in pain and suffer, you know, maybe sounds cheesy, but no, that's, that's no, really, not at all. Yeah. No. And I think that it's a, it's a great way to uh, share these, these defining moments that a lot of times um, I love that you said that it's, it was a defining moment. It wasn't so much of a challenge because sometimes when we look at things from the, from the negative angle, right. Um, we feel like, Oh, well, it was, it was a moment of despair. It was a moment of hardship. But if we look at it from a cultivating moment, a, a moment that really defines what you're next steps are going to be. And in your case, helping you to define what you will represent as a professional, what the company will represent as a professional, uh, you know, in the industry as a, as a leading company in the industry uh, at some point, then I think that those are moments that if we're paying attention, you know, and, and we're really looking at things from that perspective of how can I make this better? Um, I think that what we give out is, even better. It can only be better. You know, it's not things happening to us. They are happening for us, you know? Abby, um, where should a beginner start? Let's say that I, uh, you know, am in the same position as you and I've got an idea, but I just can't seem to make it take off from that level or make it move forward from the idea level. If I wanted to begin my own company, what would be your suggestion as far as, you know, giving someone a piece of advice of where to begin? Yeah, you know, just got to go back to a conversation that I had at the end of last year, actually. I, ha- I had an interpreter um, or a aspiring interpreter reaching out to me, which is, um, you know, very flattering if I can inspire people. And I would say, more or less what I, what I told her, it's, you just really have to start where you are. Mm -hmm. Doesn't sound very magical and it's really, it's not. And starting where you are is really, it really goes back to why, why do you want to do this? Why would you want to start your own company? Like, what are you about? What's, what's your vision and what is unique to you that you can bring in? Because one of the things that I have really discovered is that you're very much creating as you go. So you're shaping this 
there isn't a physical form of what you want to do yet and you have to create it. So you have to be the voice behind it. Mm. And what I, what I would say is to really take a piece of paper and, uh, and write down, you know, what you want to do, where you could start the resources that you have, the resources that you might be able to get and start doing some research uh, there's lots of associations to be a part of, uh, webinar that you can join if you're free, even if it's on a Saturday or like really late at night, which usually works for most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, network with other interpreters, really get in the profession and try to form a support system for yourself. I think that's really great, especially because as interpreters, we go through a lot of vicarious trauma. And I don't know if most of us are aware of this and maybe it depends on which field you work in, but you really have to, you really have to manage yourself and having other interpreters that you can discuss, um, you know, maybe certain cases with, because, you know, you have to keep the confidentiality of your, of the people you work with, of course, but you know, having that, I think it's really going to help you avoid like burnout and, and all of that and keeping you focused on what you want and gain as much experience as you can. Maybe try to find a mentor if, if possible. I know a lot of people also volunteer, but, you know, nowadays with the internet, you could do all kinds of research. There's like this infrastructure, this highway where you could go wherever you want to go and it's Google. Mm-hmm. Um so I could get a, I could give a lot of advice like you know go ahead and research and do all this and do all that and and really you really can nowadays it's 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 become so much easier the information is out there so just focus your attention and your energy on what you want to do get certified if you can that was something that I really wanted to do and that really helped me personally and if you don't want to necessarily get certified you could also take classes that interest you and that are going to further your education it's really important to focus on your education and the last thing that I would say is meditate I know yeah I know a lot of people uh, or few people are not really keen on the idea but it has changed my life and it's not something that I even do, uh, you know, just by the single day, because um, especially as a business owner, it's really important to go within Mm -hmm. and to stay true to yourself and to have those moments of quiet for yourself and to dig really deep so that you remember why you're doing it. And if, if you're calm and if you meditate or you have other outlets like arts and all of that, like use all of that, like be the entire person that you want to be because essentially your business is not just like a business. It's like a representation of, um, of you. And it's something that grows as you grow. You know, I think we hear mm-hmm. that a lot nowadays. So I love that. it's, it's, it's all the relationships, you know, the relationship you have with yourself, the relationships that you have in your life, you know, they might be toxic or maybe not, but you have to look at everything in your life and kind of revamp and regroup and just like 
go for it. I love that. I, I love the the um, the writing aspect as well. That's something that uh, not too long ago someone had asked uh, of me, like, do you do you do any creative writing? And I remember I was like, what do you mean journaling? <laughs> I totally <laughs> yeah. journal at night. Um, but it it has it it has to do with you know really ga- getting all those thoughts that you think are yes. just useless thoughts in your head, <laughs> like on paper, yeah. and it's so funny because then you go back to those quote unquote right useless thoughts yes. and you're like holy cow I've had this idea for such mm-hmm. a long time it exactly. just was trying to get out you know and it evolves just like you said like it just it continued to evolve this idea became something you know a little bit more evolved which mm-hmm. then you know turned out into something more involved and eventually it manifests into something physical, like you said, you know, like mm-hmm. whether that be the creation of um, an, an organization, your own company, whether that is, you know, getting to uh, talk to someone specifically or or having someone specific as a mentor, whatever that may be. I think that, you know, this this creative writing of just jotting things down at night just to write. Yeah. Just to write, like, uh, you know, especially if there's something that keeps brewing in your head, I think that is such a great suggestion. And then the other the other piece that I really like that you mentioned is to be able to find out your why, because I feel that a lot of us sometimes are navigating through this experience called life with, you know, without a sense of direction, really, that we're trying to find our direction and we don't know which road to take. But when we start doing all these little things, such as, you know, what you've mentioned, whether that be meditation for some, prayer for others, just quiet time just to yourself, I think that really what you're wanting to do is really, you know, dig deep into, you know, what what really resounds with you, you know, what is your why behind the things that you want to do? And I think that if we have that question, at least that question to begin with, with our prompt, you know, a journal prompting or our creative writing or whatever, you know, it is that we're going to do, I think that we'll be pretty surprised as to the story that develops after a period of time. So I think yeah. that that is excellent advice and where one should begin. If really we have to narrow it down because everything is, is great advice, Abby. Really, I think I would add to that, which is, you know, what is what issue do you feel compelled to resolve? Because if something's brewing mm-hmm. in your heart, like there's something that you're feeling compelled to resolve and start at least with that. Write that as a title <laughs> <laughs> and then move from there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And like not being afraid to make mistakes because we all are going to make mistakes along our, our, our journey. And, you know, it's I totally agree with you. Definitely. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. And in addition to that, or going alongside with all of that, are there any recommendations that just like talking about mistakes that you feel in terms of what specific roadblocks someone should watch out for? If it's, let's say someone that's aspiring to uh, own their own company sometime in the near future, anything that jumps out and says, yeah, you know, you could avoid this. Um, I, I'm not sure apply directly but I you know to 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 other people because I mean I went from freelancing to owning my own um, company and if you know if that is your path one of the things that definitely was a roadblock or you know not a desired factor in in starting company was the fact that you start with zero clients 
Mm -hmm. right? Even though I've been freelancing for years, when you're freelancing, the clients that you go to are not your clients, they're your agency's clients. Right. And you don't, you don't have business connections with them. Mm -hmm. You have a rapport with them when you go and you work with them, you know, for, you know, a couple months and on different cases and so forth. But um, in essence, you start with like zero. Mm -hmm. Um, There's nobody really that you can reach out to and say, Hey, do you remember working with me? And, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, now I have my company. It's, it's not really like that when you are going from freelancing to owning your own company. So understand that it's going to be a learning curve in terms of finding your clients and finding where to specialize in also, especially when you've done a lot of different areas Mm -hmm. and finding the, you know, the perfect match really for your company and who needs services. Mm-hmm. A lot of people need services, but at the same time, a lot of people don't need services, but even more so, a lot of people already have services. However, there is a niche of people not have services and actually need services. So it's a really a matter of doing the work and doing the research to find these people and kind of like have a really robust advertisement plan that you can refine along the way right because you're just not going to know everything at the beginning so never get discouraged just keep on going and you really have to be you really have to believe in yourself you know it's really a journey and you have to be intentional and just believe in your own internal guidance system that you're going to find your way eventually oh I love that yeah really I think I would also uh, even add to that is really defining um, who that niche market is because we mm-hmm. make the mistake of saying well I want anyone and everyone can be my yeah. my client and and it mm-hmm. that's not you know it's not clear enough you know you're not really setting out the attention of solving anything specifically if you're just thinking everyone and anyone you really want to sit down and you want to think about you know what what that market is that you really want to tap into and 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 at least it gives you a starting point, right? Yeah, like what actually makes sense. And, you know, you might take time to figure it out, but it's really something that's important to keep in mind. Yeah. I love that. That's so great. Abby, what new or future project (laughs) are you working on that you'd love to share and put out there and throw it out there in the universe? All I'm going to say is that we've had a few people here uh, on the podcast that have Uh actually you know, stated, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm putting it out there so that everyone can hear it. And uh-huh. then I go back and it's actually happened. So okay. this is your moment. <laughs> well, this is, this is great. I, I love that. Um, and I, I'm very happy for them too. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that I'm personally working on, which is a personal goal of mine is to, to know eight languages. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I, I'm learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always want to add. Love it. Love <laughs> uh, I'm currently I'm currently learning Mandarin in my spare time whenever I get a chance. But I will it's my seventh language. But I love to learn an eighth language because that was my dream as a kid. It's like I want to speak eight languages. Oh, so you had a number even? I did. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I am total language geek. I, I had a, I had a number. So I think I will be very happy when I when I get to eight. And um, I don't know if I'll I don't know which one I will learn yet. But uh, we'll see. Um, in terms of uh, my business, you know, I'm, I'm getting um, a little bit more traction in terms of working outside of the U.S. with clients outside of the U.S. So that's something that's very, very, very exciting yes. um, to be even more like on a more international landscape. Um, we have the capability to be remote. 
So I think that also comes with the territory. So that's something that's very, very exciting. And something else that, you know, from from day one that I wanted for my company is really to have the capability to perform and to have a platform that's able to do both consecutive and simultaneous interpretation. Mm. So, you know, that's like a big, that's a big one. That's a big goal. So mm. we'll, uh, it's out there, uh, you know, but for, for now, it's really, um, really focusing on providing the best quality service possible that we can provide and expand or our core team and our talent and really trying to support the, you know, the next generation of um, interpreters, because I just think it's just a wonderful profession. And I have so much respect and love for, for interpreters and what we do and just putting our soul in, in, you know, in every assignment. So just happy and grateful to even have an interpretation company, to be honest. Oh, I love that so much. Abby, where can our listeners find out more about you and the work that you do? So you can find information about Elite Interpretation at our website, um, eliteinterpretation.com. We're mostly more active on LinkedIn as Elite Interpretation LLC. And I'm also personally on LinkedIn, Abby Koulibaly. And we have uh, a Twitter handle and an IG handle or IG is elite interpretation at elite interpretation sorry and Twitter is at elite interpret uh, we're mostly active on LinkedIn again and not so much on IG and, and Twitter at the time um, but yeah I think that's I think that's everything I love it I'll now. make sure to uh, include those links on the show notes so in case anybody is interested in reaching out to you that they have easy access to, uh, you know, the contact information that you just gave. Abby, I want to once again, take the opportunity to thank you for accepting my invitation. I think you have a beautiful story and one that continues to unfold. And my only hope is that those that are listening feel inspired by your story and that go out there and truly follow whatever their heart's desire is. Um, and that, you know, just we stay connected and uh, maybe someday we'll touch base again and uh, you'll be able to let me know exactly what your heart wants to teach to others. Thank you so much for having me. It was really, I, I have to say for for me personally, it was a highlight in my in my career to be able to have a platform like yours to tell my my story on your wonderful podcast where I know you've had like a ton of wonderful and amazing other guests. So I'm just really honored to be in this presence and I'm taking it all in. Thank you so, so much. I'm sure that you'll hear from me because I just thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. So thank you. I really appreciate uh, the time that you've given to me. Absolutely, Abby. Take care. We'll be in touch. Okay. Thank you. Take Bye. Care. Wow. What an incredible heartfelt conversation. And don't you dare for one minute think that after such a heartfelt conversation, I'm not going to leave you with a little bit of homework for this weekend. I know that you have nothing to do and that you miss homework. So here it goes. If you don't already own a journal or something that you keep to yourself just to do some creative writing, some random thoughts, then maybe that's where you're going to begin. Go out and buy yourself a nice little black journal that nobody else gets to touch but you, okay? On the very first 
blank page, I'd like for you to draw a line in the middle of the page. So in essence, you're creating two columns, right? On one column, title it where I'm currently at. And the next column, you're going to name it where I'd like to be. So one side is your current state. The other side is your desired new reality. And you're going to list out under whatever categories you want, whether that's your current state in education, if you know, you're thinking about education, your current state in income, your current state in your career, whatever categories that come up, I'd like for you to list down your current state. Now thinking about those same categories on the other side, the desired new reality column, I'd like for you to list from that same category where you'd like to be. So let's just say in terms of entertainment that currently you aren't able to take vacations. Well, currently really nobody is, but let's just assume, you know, we're past COVID. Okay, so you do staycations and your desired new reality is to go to Hawaii. Okay, so that's going to be the very first page. The second page, we're going to do a little bit of mind mapping. So you're going to put your name in the center of the blank page, then you're going to draw a circle around it, and then you're going to draw some stems around this circle, right? If you don't know what mind mapping is, then you might want to look it up uh, just so that you can get a visual, all right? And so from those categories that you wrote down on this on the other page, I'd like for you to transfer them over to this mind map for your new reality. So it's the categories on the column of your new reality, transfer them over to the mind map. So then let's just say that you are transferring over education and you'd like to take more professional development. So now you're going to draw a little stem and write the word education, make a circle around that, another stem and write the words professional development, make a circle around that. And then from there, you're going to be as specific as possible. What kind of professional development? And then, you know, make a circle and then get specific around that. When is it happening? How much is it going to cost? When are you going to sign up. Just things like that so that you can break it down to small little chunks, small little steps, just so that you can see what it takes to work backwards towards the bigger goal. But you need to be able to write it down, put it in writing so that your mind is able to see it. So that's it. That's your homework two pieces, blank pieces of paper. And if you don't have a journal and you don't or can't go out there and buy a new journal, don't worry about it. Just grab a blank piece of paper, something that only you can write on, nobody else. And you know, you're not going to leave it abandoned somewhere. You can go back to it and reference it at some point. Two blank pieces of paper. One is going to have two columns that basically outlines your current reality, and then the other category outlines your new desired reality. On the second blank piece of paper, you're going to mind map your name in the center of the page, circle that, and then bring those new reality categories over to your mind map and start branching out all those specific things that you'd like. You can even do this if you're trying to figure out what your niche market or your niche clients are going to be, or your specific objectives in your current role. So get creative. 
This is why it's called creative writing or creative expression because you can get as creative as you want. This is for your eyes only. So there is no judgment here. There is no one saying, ah, oh, that's not possible or eh, how long is that going to take you? There is none of that other than whatever your mind is telling you. And if your mind is trying to negate you from writing these things out or expressing themselves, then just say, not now, not now, mind, not now. Anyway, as I mentioned, the trick here is so that your mind can see what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And this is basically a visualization exercise. So you've heard perhaps in the past that a picture is worth a thousand words. In this particular case or activity, what we're doing is imprinting an image into our mind about what it is our desired goal is going to be. So even though we are writing in text, we're also visualizing in the process. Hey, and speaking about visualizing, I'd love to be able to see if you do this exercise, uh, post it on your Instagram story or anywhere that you are at on social media and tag me. I'd love to be able to see what's developed from this exercise. And if you did your homework, no, I'm kidding. Hey, that's all I've got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Please uh, let me know if you enjoyed this by either rating, reviewing, or subscribing to this podcast, or simply send me a DM. Thank you so very much for joining me once again here on the Brand the Interpreter podcast where I tell your stories about our profession. I'll see you again next time. Bye-bye.